0: It's May eighth, twenty twenty one, and welcome to episode fifty seven of the Baby Metal podcast. We gather in the podcast Discord server on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Baby Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I'm Paul, and I'm joined by Kevin.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody,
0: and Maggie.
2: Howdy, 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 howdy!
0: All right, so uh, the plan today where we have um, sort of like the first of two episodes we expect that are going to be covering sort of recent translations of various interviews, uh, largely uh, provided to us by Funny Toss and Capable Paramedic. But then um, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But so um, there's, there's a bunch of stuff to talk about this time and next time. Um, there's a little bit of recent news. And so we will talk about that as well. Probably the most major bit of recent news that's happened sort of since we, since we recorded last was that there was a a, a golden vinyl LP uh, that they released um, cost a hundred dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. Sold out in seconds.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. And, and what else? I guess and there's maybe other news. <laughs> do we do we did we adequately cover that bit of news?
2: Uh, not only was there a golden vinyl that was associated with it, but it wasn't even actually the main thing that they were even looking into. Uh, the main thing was what the new phase thing called an NFT, which was 10 collectible digital cards with different images of the girls on them. Um, And they were limited to a thousand NFTs are the new thing nowadays. I, you know, to each their own on that. Um, But as yeah, they, they, it sold out Mm -hmm. with these digital cards quite quickly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the, I mean, the, the idea of that was essentially, it's essentially just sort of like um, buying, buying ownership rights to Mm -hmm. uh, a digital asset of some kind so that you, Mm -hmm. uh, in a trackable way so that you can sort of sell it and, and get them back and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, But uh, generally speaking, these are not going to be things that you, are not going to have access to any other way. I mean, like uh, it's almost certain that we will see them, um, you know, it's and, and, you know, we'll have, then have screen captures of them and can send them around and whatever, but only the people who bought them will own them. And and
2: right. there's a record of that. Yes.
1: Yeah. Think of it like a, um, a digital certificate of authenticity.
2: Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's a little bit like, you know, I I often think about this a little bit like buying a video game. I mean, you know, you, you could pirate it. People do pirate it. You know, you're not a you're not necessarily a chump for buying it. You know, even though, mm. even though other people pirate it, but uh, it it is it is a strange thing. But mm. um, I agree. I do think at least my my take on it is that this is sort of like it's stuff that people have been people are trying in the in the artistic world, and you know, it's sort of it's sort of become very recently hyped and so you know it was sort of like a a interesting new thing to just try you know like i i -hmm. that it mainly had to do with the fact that it's a new a new tech and cobalt likes new techs
2: (laughs) yeah oh that's true yeah he there there was a mention that we'll get to eventually that he enjoys tinkering with new ideas and new technologies both music and otherwise yeah
0: I think so a huge amount of the complaint, I suppose, about this kind of thing is that it is all virtual and it's not even like just buying like a, you know, add on in a video game or something where you're using it in its environment. You know, this is a thing. This is a thing that you, you will never physically have. Um, and and, and uh, But so I sort of feel like the the um, inclusion of the vinyl pushed back against that a little bit, you know, that it was sort of like, yeah, he, he didn't feel quite comfortable with just the nothing. So
2: Exactly. Yeah, that, that's what I thought about that too. It's like, well, if this fails, at least we've got this to back it up and people will pay the money for at least this thing. So, but the and but the bad part about that is, though, is now, did it sell out because of the NFT or did it sell out for the vinyl? They're not going to know. <laughs> well, you know?
1: I, I don't know. Everybody I've talked to, and of course, this is a small sample of just my friends and acquaintances on social media, but. I don't know anybody who bought it because they wanted NFTs. Everybody I know bought it because they wanted the 1000 limited edition gold pressed vinyl. Yeah. Which I can sympathize with. You know, I, I, like, yeah. I like vinyls. I collect vinyls. I have, I don't know, I don't have a great collection. I have maybe 50. Um, but That's
2: more than my <laughs> six that I have. <laughs> which oddly enough does not include baby metal. Oddly enough.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, we should fix that.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> I missed down on the transparent one from the forum. I still kick myself in the butt about that, but
1: yeah.
0: Either, either way, yeah. Oh, the the glow in the dark one.
2: Yes, I I so I didn't have the money at the time, so I was just like, nah, I don't really need it. And Now I'm just like, now I see it. If someone resells it, it's like sold for like a stupid amount of money, and I'm just like, Ugh, I could have bought it for the original amount, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah uh,
2: but, yeah
0: among the people we talk to it does seem like the vinyl is the is the draw and uh, Jordan yeah. was mentioning in the chat too like i would pay a hundred dollars for the gold vinyl i would not pay a hundred dollars for the nft and the vinyl <laughs> which you know like because uh there are definitely mm. people who reacted badly to the idea of the nft by itself you know um mm-hmm. and I, I can sort of i can i can see that. Uh, you know, a, a bit. I do kind of think that it's sold out so fast because of the NFT. Like, I think I think that there were there are sort of you know, there were predatory buyers out there who were just buying the NFT because I think it'll inflate.
2: Mm. Yeah, quite possibly. That whole entire thing just kind of hurts my brain because it's such a. But everyone's got their opinions, and everyone's attached to their opinions, and you know, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there was something something was mentioned in the chat that uh I, one thing about NFTs that's a little unusual in in the entire world of of merch is that because it's sort of trackable the sales that it is possible for an NFT to have attached to it a condition where like even on resales the original producer of it gets a cut um, i don't know if this oh. is so i um, um, I'm not sure if this is actually true of this one. Maybe it actually is. Uh, maybe we know that it is, but it is possible for NFTs to, even if they're price balloons, um, the original, mm-hmm. the original producer can still get a cut of it. So, so that's one thing that's nice because I think, you know, when you're, when you're buying secondhand merch, um, uh, you know, yeah. after the first sale, it's not, none of this is going to support anybody except the, yeah. the you know, <laughs> the mercenaries.
2: Kind of reminds me of like, I know it's kinda on top of a kind of like GameStop where, you know, you you buy the game, they get the money, and then or like the you know, whomever the developers are get money. And then, you know, they do the trade in thing, but it's GameStop getting all the money in that regard. And they're and they're selling it for like five dollars less than what the original game's worth, the sells for. So it's I can see a point in that maybe.
1: Hmm. I and I just want to use my platform because I have one to mention that there is no environmental impact with the baby metal NFT. It is not what the outrage claims it to be. It's not a data center in a desert with a bunch of guys with video cards using a thousand megawatts to make (laughs) one card. It's a, it's an eco-friendly version. So all of that outrage is completely unjustified.
0: Yeah. This is on the, like the wax platform, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's called wax. It uses a different kind of technology to mint which is, they claim, like, a millionth the power consumption of everything that's come before it. Mm -hmm. What a weird world this is.
2: (laughs) It is. I agree. I I agree. I don't know, like, I'm in this weird kind of in-between where I'm young enough to where, like, technology is freaking cool, but I'm also old enough to be, like... Why do we need this? And I just, it's, uh, <laughs> it's frustrating.
1: I mean, it's really just capitalism. You know, we as a market decided that these things have value. There was, there was probably a bunch of people who, you know, a couple thousand years ago were like, why do we need money? Bartering has worked forever. That's right.
2: Oh yeah. Goats, chicken, sheep, quilts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. I'll give you two oxen for that golden vinyl,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish it' would yeah. be that that way yeah
0: theres a, there's a, a another point that a that a number of people have made, uh, including under carter in the chat that um that you know like <laughs> when you when you talk about like Shipping a cd from Japan. You know, mm. that's not less environmental impact.
2: Yeah, no, because then you're thinking of the packaging you have to use, mm-hmm. the actual shipment case you have to ship it out to, all the gas that's being used in the vehicles that are carrying your packages, uh the person that's running around doing the job for you that you have to pay them to do and all the the actual materials that it takes to make it, and the factory that it's being built in. And all the people working in the factory. Its all of its stuff, And all the people working in yeah. the pa- I, I mean, yeah.
1: I mean when you take a minute to sit back and think critically about the complaint that it's destroying the environment, I honestly just think you're not taking the time to educate yourself on what this actually is. You're just enjoying the rage moment.
2: Yeah, or
0: uh, I mean I guess the other thing is too that like uh you've already given up on <laughs> the environment <laughs> based on yeah. your prior orders of all
1: the stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Uh, let's see. Well, so it's possible we've covered this now, are we? Yes. Do do you feel comfortable having covered the release of the golden vinyl? Please. (laughs) Did any of you get it? No.
2: No, I didn't get it. I I, I,
0: I thought about it. I I did. But then, I mean, like you you had to be thinking within the right couple of seconds or else it was not going to matter. Yeah, I I missed it. I got the the wallet set up. That was about as far as I Mm. got. Uh. Well, the only other the only other piece of news that I have in the notes here is the so there is I don't know how, I don't remember how long this has been active. It's been active for a little while, but there's a, a Kobo Metal official account. I think it's uh, Kobo Metal Japan, mm-hmm. um, and just recently it's been a little bit active. Uh, there there was kind of like a a short set of three interview chunks in quick japan that it uh, that that account retweeted and then also um and we'll talk about those soon but uh also there's a uh uh, an upcoming book which is something like basics of metal um a hundred page book written by the editor-in-chief of hedobon and um Uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what, so Koba's picture is featured on, featured on the back, you know, in, in the suit Mm -hmm. and, and sort of endorses it. I'm not actually sure that Koba actually participates in it, you know, or if it's just sort of like a, here's a book, a friend of mine published.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I honestly don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I've not really paid it too much attention to the account itself. I just know that it's been relatively active so I'm just like well I guess it must really be him
1: well no if it's really him when he accidentally retweets a football score
0: <laughs> well I think it is really him because because they're all um the, the things he's retweeted are interviews with quick Japan that that link back to him I mean like at the bottom of the quick japan pages there are you know his social accounts including this one
2: mm-hmm. so and then there was like a chat room thing that ended up being on there or something and there was a few people that got
0: into it yeah there's a couple there's a couple i forgot now i've forgotten what he's tried a couple of these things
1: yeah so he started a clubhouse account that was it a few months ago um and participated in five or six it was quite a few discussions um with other industry leaders in japan uh for the music industry um and if you have a clubhouse account you anybody can go listen to those talks it's like a ted talk um, but obviously it's all in japanese so if you don't speak that good luck. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah and he he did some just a couple days ago as we were recording he did uh some uh, it's it's like a similar platform but uh on twitter or something you know like i I don't remember exactly what it was called spaces something like that i don't know Mm -hmm. but um you know it was similarly kind of like a audio chat room
1: uh, yeah right that's
2: what i was talking about yeah
1: yeah since clubhouse blew up a few months ago and has since kind of faded away again i i have noticed most of my social media companies wanting to do something similar. Um, Discord mm-hmm. has an option for that that I was testing earlier. Mm-hmm. Now um, you can do that on Twitter now.
0: Anyway, but that's I think it's kind of, it's kind of cool that there is you know an actual sort of official um, mouthpiece there. And it was actually it was mm-hmm. kind of neat to look at the the you know, somebody was rebroadcasting the um, the Twitter Spaces thing, and uh, you could see like you could see the little icons of all the people that were there listening and it's like and it's like, you know, like these are people we know from the shows, you know, Mm that that post the photos and things like that. And you know, so it's kinda it's kinda neat that they're all sitting there, you know, Koba sees them. They're right there.
2: (laughs) You know, right exactly. So but yeah, I I think that I mean it's kinda neat to see that he's actually taking a a moment to I don't know, finally participate in a little bit more of an open setting. But yeah. So yeah.
1: if it goes well, it could lead to more. Who knows?
2: Right. Exactly.
0: Anyway, is there any other news that we should be covering
2: Uh, before we get on to the interviews? Not at this time, but just remember that the Budokan shows are in June.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty soon. Uh,
2: Yep. One more month-ish. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. So um, the main topic that we were going to aim for here was uh, to talk about some of the interviews. So we've you know we've mentioned this I think uh, a bit before but uh, there's been a recent very strong push by uh, Funny Toss with help from capable paramedic from uh from Reddit to basically translate pretty pretty thoroughly uh all of the interviews the recent interviews. Uh, and so we've we've gotten quite an influx of these and we were going to mm-hmm. talk about a few of them uh this time and then a few more next time.
1: Mm. So yeah, And we will never finish them because the rate they're translating things, we will never be able to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But uh,
0: so, um, but yeah, so today, today we were thinking that we would talk about um, a little group of interviews with Kobo Metal. So there's um, these short ones in Quick Japan that uh, are at least on the Quick Japan site that I would just mentioned, uh, Young Guitar, January 2021, and a couple from PMC Volume 18. And then there's some other ones for next time, basically. <laughs> so, does that sound okay? Uh, Sounds yeah. good to me. All right. So, we decided that, yeah, we'll see how this works. But um, mm-hmm. we decided ahead of time that it would probably be less interesting for us to just kind of, like, walk through each interview in sequence. But uh, rather, we'd just sort of pick moments to talk about. You know, we'll sort of dive into things and, and we'll mm-hmm. see how that works. So, mm-hmm. um Maybe first we can start with a Coba Metal group mm. and just sort of talk about something in that. Anyone anyone wanna start?
2: Yeah. Um actually there was one thing, I think it was part of the 10 video um interview mm. where uh for Legend Metal Galaxy, how they came up with all the video like background and stuff, because for those who who did go are very, very aware of how large those screens were. Like, they were massive. Mm -hmm. They expanded literally from the end of the hall all the way to the other end of the hall. It was huge. So, So I guess they had originally planned for doing different video backgrounds for the show. And then for, I believe it was Distortion... They had pulled up, they just decided to go ahead and use some of the, the visuals from the actual music video. But what was cool was, is that they had, you know, cut whatever they need to do. They put it up on the screen with all their lighting and stuff. And they were just like, you know what? It looks a little strange, just the way that it is the way. So they actually did a, a quick change before the show started to the different lighting and stuff. I thought that was kind of cool. Like, and they actually changed the video as well to add more of a red tint to it. Uh, so the lights would match to it. And I thought, you know, they, it just, how much they do stuff at the last minute to change up <laughs> things. is kind of really cool. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was a neat thing to, to find out, especially since I did actually go to the show. And I was just like, oh, wow, that's, that's really neat.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. You bring that up because I think one of the things he mentions in almost all of these interviews is how focused he is on what the presentation is live, mm, um, both yeah. both musically and visually. Um, yeah. And he goes so far to say as, you know, that's one of the reasons or one of the things in his mind as to why they haven't done and why we haven't interpreted them as doing hardly anything over the course of the pandemic where other groups are out doing shows. Band a great example, doing like four or five live shows Mm -hmm. with one coming up this weekend as we record. I was
2: going to say, yeah, on the 10th, I think, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And how one of the things he's always thinking about is how people are consuming Baby Metal as a a group, as an act, as an entertainment, piece of entertainment, um, Mm -hmm. and how people could be watching on their phone, sitting on the toilet. Um, you know, <laughs> on a tablet on the train, you know, on their computer. Um uh-huh. and honestly, he's just old and prefers people to be there in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be
2: be in the moment of the situation, essentially. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But he also he does take into consideration of the fact he mentioned in one of the interviews where he's like, well, it's like if you're given ramen, you're given high quality ramen and you eat it and you're like, yeah, this stuff's good. And then, you know, later on, you're given, OK, well, here's this ramen. And it's a little bit more expensive. It is like, well, I mean, it's good, but not as good as the first one. Like he kind of experiences that because he's like, well, we know that there's people, you know, being born soon, you know, now within the last few years where their consumption of the media is going to be. That is the most perfect thing in the world, whereas, you know, people who were born in behind that, you know, are realizing that, you know, the old the what he said, the old ramen <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, is is not going to be the same. So he's he's at least keeping a lot of stuff into consideration, which is nice, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really very much got lost in all the ramen talk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, 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 yeah. not it, what I mean is like when in in Kobo's ramen
2: talk, your your relation of it was perfect. It oh, was, okay, all it right. Was <laughs> incoherent <laughs> in the source. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but
0: um, yeah, no, I, I, it is it is interesting how like he definitely was thinking about this in in a couple of places. He sort of pointed that out. I think in the uh, Quick Japan uh, first little snippet and in the um, PMC a sort of regular interview he was just thinking about like how you know what is it what is the first experience of this kind of performance going to be like for people who are born now Mm -hmm. you know like is it if their first experience is digital they may not want to go get like beer spilled on them
1: in a actual uh, concert right Mm -hmm. so it's a really interesting thing to think about and I think this made me kind of reflect on my experience becoming a fan of this group and you know one of the common themes whenever we talk to somebody new or somebody who's come on to the fandom recently is um you know it's always well it wasn't until you saw them live or saw the live performance yes. that you really got into it right yes so on one hand as a fandom we're clam we're clamoring for more content you know do a live show streamed do do something during the pandemic but at the same time he's like well i, I kind of don't want to do that because I want people's first experience of baby metal live to be in person. Mm -hmm. And and there's definitely a part of me that empathizes with that wish of his.
2: I I agree. I totally agree with that. Cause I mean, it does, it does give off a different vibe. Like I've, um, I've shown a friend of mine, you know, baby metal, they were just like, oh, I know you talk about this all the time, you know, and it sounds really cool. You know, what is this? So I'm like, here's videos, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and he's just like, oh, this is kind of neat. You know, he, he's, he gets the interests of it, but he's just kind of like, you know, I think he would do better with realizing like the intensity of why I enjoy seeing them is because of the it is because of the live show it mm-hmm. gives you like i said it, it it it's a totally different feel and i think it's part of it also is too is just because of us being you know we're humans that you know we react to what is around us as well and mm-hmm. if everybody else is reacting the same way to baby metal as, as we are you know that energy level you know you're getting pumped you know this is awesome everybody in the same room is this is just like wow and yeah, let's do this, and it's it's uh,
0: it's yeah, just that's true. Yeah, that's true.
1: And yeah, if you think about like the Rock Mekon show from last year, you know that mm-hmm. that was the really one true live quote unquote live they did during the pandemic, and it has mm-hmm. a much different energy than any other Blu-rays or DVDs of past live performances, yeah. and it's because uh-huh. there's no crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As an audience, like you mentioned, we're human beings. When we see other human beings reacting. We get social cues on kind of how we're supposed to react, and I remember uh-huh. one of the first things I saw when I first watched like Met Rock when I first became a fan and went down the foxhole was like, "Holy crap!" There's tens of thousands of people with their arms up, jumping, going insane. It's like so. Subliminally, I know, okay, this must be awesome because this many people are like, "Holy crap!" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wouldn't get that sensation if I had seen the Rock Make stream first.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, it's, it's like why there are laugh tracks in old comedies. Exactly. and stuff, you know, To tell you like that thing you just heard, it was actually funny.
1: Yeah, it it's was supposed to be thing. funny. So I'm still yeah. going to want more stuff, obviously, because I'm a greedy fan, right? I want them to do more <laughs> things. Um, yeah. But it was really interesting hearing him talk about kind of why they're not doing as much as some of the other groups. And mm-hmm. I can respect that choice because I, I, I think I understand it now.
2: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it it does make a little bit more sense. And as 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 I always kind of go back to, we as fans also need to realize that part of why we love baby metal is is for the music. So that's that's the initial mm-hmm. like entryway into this. So it's like we gotta show patience and understanding that we like their music and we want more, but we also need to respect them as being a creative entity. And with the young guitar thing, they have a process of doing the way that they do. And they have their own fun and they have their own creative outlets and they are taking their time to make sure they're giving the best that they can for us, but also feeling like they are accomplished as well. And sometimes that'll take time. So you know, we have to understand that if they're giving us their best, we need to give them the respect of them giving us their best. That's my secondary <laughs> rant for the evening or for today. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: yeah, so I, I guess one thing that, that so this was in the um, the PMC volume 18 one, but it sort of started off talking about how um metal was established as a metal dance unit. With sound, mm. images, dance, visual—all of that central and crucial. And um, you know that's so. I, th- I think in one sense it actually isn't just the music; that that really the whole the whole thing is right. is a is a unit. And so you can, that's mm. that's I think sort of playing also off this idea that they it doesn't exactly exist in the absence of a, a big live performance. You know, like it's right. It's um. You can see why they wouldn't want to leave some part of that out.
2: Um, right. So it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that, that totally makes sense. It, it It is a full entire package. It, it really is. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. One,
0: one other thing that was mentioned in, in that, although I think we've seen this before too, is that um, even in the songwriting stage, you know, that they're, they're thinking about the presentation, you know, the mm-hmm. performance, like this is the place where like, we're going to, we're going to have a little break here because this is where people are going to, you know, do the call and response or jump or whatever, you know? Um, that, that even, even as you create the music, you're creating the visual presentation as well.
2: Mm -hmm. I know that he was just like, well, I want this to have this feel to it. And then, you know, I know with the, well, I think it's two separate things. The young guitar and one of the PMC things is kind of. You know, and he was just like, Well, while we're doing the music yeah, what what you just said essentially. You know, while we're creating while we're creating the music, he's like, Well, I want it to look and feel this specific way visually and some and that's also part of the reason why he pulled a lot of stuff from the from a lot of the live performances too. Um, which I still find because he was talking about it a few times, I still find the whole entire like taking the video and doing the live like Uh, effects on all the stuff in the background is just the freaking coolest thing ever (laughs) doing it live. I think that it's just so neat. And I think the first time that we really saw that was the, the big Fox festival when they had all the lightning stuff for, um, Oh gosh, what song was it? uh, Yeah. They didn't need Yava. Yeah. Yava was the one. That's what it was.
0: Yeah. And I think that I believe that during Shanti Shanti Shanti, they did that at the first, the first time it was played. But I think they just recycled that video from then mm-hmm.
2: on. <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty so, much. So sometimes the Avenger in front was not the Avenger in the video behind. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah um, because
0: that it was, was
2: with
0: Kana, I think. Yeah, I think probably. I think that was. I think that's right. I think it was Kana at the. Yeah, at
2: it was Kana. First
0: one yeah the the one thing that uh, struck me too there was you know sort of somewhat somewhat separate point, but um there's a number of places where uh or at least there were two enumerated times where uh they gambled on the audience you know they they basically mm-hmm. said you know like this is going to be they're, they're not they won't have seen this before, but we think we know enough about what they're going to do that we're going to make a video out of it, (laughs) you know, so they did that with, uh, Road of Resistance, you know, they, oh, they actually, you know, this keeps getting mentioned over and over again, but essentially they, they extended that audience participation part, uh, like the day before they decided, okay, well, they're going to be able to get this. Let's just go do this. This is going to be impressive. And, Mm -hmm. um, and they, this, they did the same thing with Papaya. like, in principle, nobody had heard that song pretty much before they Mm -hmm. showed up and they certainly didn't know like Mm -hmm. how to swing a towel. (laughs) But nevertheless, uh, they still, they still went for it and and it it worked out and then they edited it overnight and, uh, (laughs) released it.
2: Yeah. Which that, that was one thing that kind of just, it, it always kind of comes up in the back of my mind is like, how did people know that that's what they wanted us to do? You know, it just kind of just happened organically. Like people just started, it's like, yeah, we dig this. Okay, well, let's just put up our towels and just start swinging it, and then just everybody starts doing it. It's like, okay.
0: <laughs> oh well, I mean, no, but but uh, F Hero did. I mean, like you know, yeah, F Hero started that. and F Hero was doing it.
2: Oh, oh, okay. I yes, yeah, I
1: he was up on his little pedestal with his little baby metal towel swinging guess, it during the chorus. Yeah.
2: Well, true. Okay. Well, I mean, even at the beginning of the song, though the pa 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 yeah. I mean, were people do I, I guess I'm just kind of drawing a blank to the video right now. Were they not swinging the towels at the very beginning of it?
1: Yeah, hard, nobody really did it day one. I didn't notice it at least. I didn't mm-hmm. even have a towel on day one.
2: Yeah, I wasn't at those shows, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, although I mean, like it it is, um, it was clearly planned. I mean, like they knew that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they they have Hero demoed it, but I mean, it's it's also part of their
1: their uh, their choreo as well.
2: Mm -hmm. We're a A a predictable
1: mob in a crowd (laughs) setting.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: (laughs) If you give us something obvious to do, we're going to do it.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's
1: right. Like buy NFTs.
2: (laughs) I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There, um. Another thing that was, that was, uh, that came up in these interviews, I think this was, I think this only was in the, in the 10 song, 10 video moments one, but, um, we learned that, um, BMC was the last song they recorded. Like it's the, it was the very last, last thing that went into Metal, Metal Galaxy and might not have gone on. Um, mm-hmm. but one thing that I thought was cool about the description there was just that, you know, I think there had been all a fair amount of speculation about, you know, what does this mean? What is it, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, he just straightforwardly describes it exactly as we all knew was, (laughs) but that it is, you know, that it's a, that's a rap battle, but set in metal, right? You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. what, what if it were just, so, so this, he um, kept referring to eight mile, which I, I don't know. um, But apparently, Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I since looked up and it's like, you know, something semi autobiographical about Eminem.
2: (laughs) Yeah, essentially. Yeah. It's actually pretty decent, like, it's a it's a really good movie if you have a moment to sit down and watch it just even just in a movie aesthetic sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, just just realizing that well obviously Eminem is in it but like if you take take it away from being oh Eminem's in it to like oh this is an actor doing an acting in this movie and stuff mm-hmm. it's it's just it in and of itself it's a really good movie yeah um, especially it- if you do like hip hop and rap and all that stuff. <laughs>
0: Well, and it kind of sounds a little bit like um, you know the the movies of the eighties where you know there's some sort of dance off or whatever, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, most of that was like early two thousands, the whole dance off stuff too. Well, I guess the eighties did have some of that, like was it Flashdance or footloose. whatever, but Footloose, yeah, that too. <laughs>
0: but uh, but anyway, yeah. I mean, like it it does seem like um, you know it, that's it was really what he was going for. It's like you know we're we're taking this concept and we're you know we're we're distorting it a little bit. You know, we're gonna make mm-hmm. a metal version of it. Um, so it was, it was neat to, it was kind of neat to hear his take on that, you know, like what it was they were trying to do. It was also pleasing to have, you know, understood it and correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. He, yeah, he did say something else about that. I, I didn't take a close note about this, but um, something about uh, essentially, uh, you know, he doesn't like to, oh yeah, here's the thing. He Yeah, he could explain things, but he doesn't want to limit people's imagination by explaining too much. So it's better... If, the you know the audience has sort of more room to think about various things mm-hmm. and these their I own can interpretations
2: to stuff. Yeah,
0: he said I can explain things, but they may not be 100 percent correct. It's better to listen to what I say with a healthy dose of
1: skepticism. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Drink my lore juice and like it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that does kind of make sense as to why it's always so like, stairway to living legend. What is this? Why? What does this mean? Is this, it makes a little bit more sense in that regard, too. He kind of, everyone has to interpret it their own way. Or he wants everything to be kind of interpreted our own way. Take it mm. as to what we want it to be, I guess. But
1: yeah, it's great marketing. I, I mean, look at us yeah, here, I mean, here talking about it, and it didn't cost him anything. Just had to make a vague JPEG.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truth.
1: Uh, so one thing from the Coba stuff that I thought was super interesting, um, and I wouldn't mind having a little discussion about, because I didn't know this. Uh, one thing we knew about all of the music is that, A, a lot of it's produced, at least on the album, a lot of it's produced. Um, it's not necessarily live instruments. When it is performed live, it's uh, or performed live for the album, not in a concert, um, it's composed in such a way where they don't really care if it's playable. I thought that was mm-hmm. really interesting. Um, mm. and what I found more interesting is that the people who perform it for the album vary from track to track. It's not the same people playing yeah. when they're recording. And I, I I wanted to talk about that because I think it's super interesting uh-huh. insight on their process because there's a lot of session musicians that we don't know about and haven't even considered knowing about that make this all happen on an album.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I mean that that has to take a lot of time to be able to like and a lot of research on that because I, I, I you yeah, know I read that too, where like for each song he's like, Well, we want this kind of feel, so we need these sort of people, this person who's plays this specific type mm-hmm. of, you know, uh of rock or uh, guitar or whatever to come and play because we like their style and their style fits the style we want it to be in the song. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that has to be like, man, they, they must, <laughs> they must really do a lot of heavy duty research to be able to accomplish that. Because obviously, you know, they have a, you know, three albums at this point And how many tracks I know yeah. at least over 40 or something.
1: Um, um, there was some more good insight into this, too, back to how when they compose some of these songs, they don't really care if it's humanly playable. Um, and the reason for that is, and I didn't know they did this, but it makes sense that it's possible. They can have people play the riffs one note at a time and then just yeah. make it sound like it was played live.
0: Yeah, that's it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's and pretty weird. Honestly, this is all to say my final point on Why I thought this was super interesting was that the product we get live with the various commie band members is that much more impressive now.
2: Yeah. Because, I mean, most of the time it's pretty spot on. Like,
1: yeah, they nail it. They
2: they rock.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely nail it. They're doing, they're literally doing the work of a village when they go on tour. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, Young Guitar. Cause, so Young Guitar, of course, is is a magazine devoted to guitar players, right? Primarily, mm. and uh, you know, there 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 is a moment in there where, where you know the interviewer is saying something sort of like, you know, it seems like these are some of these are physically impossible for a human to play, and Kobo says, you know, well, yeah, it could be, but uh, technology allows us not to care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But um, at the same yeah. time they're like okay, let's do this impossible to play riff and then we're going to go ask these guys to go do it live, you know, every other night mm. in cities all over the world. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah. There was another thing
0: that's kind of that's, you know, it's sort of related to that also in the Young Guitar interview that where where um they ask a little bit about like to, to what extent the comedy band um imp- improvises, you know, like puts their own spin on things.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I mean, we all know that it's practically identical every single time they play it, as far as we can tell right mm-hmm. but um and what Kobo was saying there was essentially like um that's his intention in a in a sense that he sort of feels like uh that, that there's kind of like a right answer to the metal genre, and people are there to hear the right answer um and people only see like the show they're at. One mm-hmm. one time, and you know they they don't want that one to be like the weird one, <laughs> right? <laughs> that it wasn't the thing they were waiting for. So um you know, and he says he, he likes jazz bands and all, but that's not what this is, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: right? And I think, and I'm paraphrasing what he said because I don't have it exactly in front of me. um He's one of those people that prefers when he goes to see a concert that the group plays what's on the record and not kind of riffs around it and makes it its own thing live. He made a very black and white distinction between groups that play what's on the record and groups that kind of have a different take on a live version and i think he brought up like Mm -hmm. metallica as an example of how they don't necessarily play what's exactly on the record live because it's live and they consider it kind of two different things Mm -hmm.
0: uh there's a fair amount of like production notes about how you know Koba uh, plays guitar, brings his guitar, mm-hmm. you know, he got a nine string guitar <laughs> yeah. fairly early on and like brought it to pre-production camp <laughs> where they, where they all sort of sat down and came and tried to figure out ideas and talking a little bit about, um, having, I think this was for karate. They, they were trying to come up with a singable guitar riff that you could imagine sort of like just singing along. Um, he, he and Yupe uh, you um got into a little riff competition, um, you know, about, about trying to trying to see like you know who had the most singable ones. Um, I, I yeah. don't know who won. Actually. And I think
1: you brought up uh, "Smoke on the Water" as an example of a singable guitar mm-hmm. riff, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's a great example because I think we can all hum the guitar riff in Karate, and we can all hum the guitar riff in "Smoke on the Water." Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Somewhere he said, uh, I forget now where this, it was in the same interview somewhere, I think, but, you know, he was also talking about, like, he wanted to create something like what people, you know, sit down in guitar stores and, you know, noodle, noodle on the, on the store guitars Mm -hmm. with. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. He he mentions that he likes to go to guitar stores sometimes and see what people are, are doodling and playing. At the guitar he'll store,
2: take take keep mental notes about it, and then he'll yeah. I I've seen I saw that one too. I was just like sneaky little devil.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what like it's been a long time since I you know wandered into guitar stores and stuff, but it but you mm-hmm. know there it used to be that there was essentially you know there was a lot of smoke on the water because <laughs> there was one <laughs> like sweet child of mine.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then those who try to do Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> oh yeah!
1: Oh yeah! Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of that. Um, uh, one thing, not I'd, always good. Another thing I thought was interesting that he brought up was he talked about future metal a little bit, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and what that song is. He he was very clear. He wanted to he wanted everybody to know that there is no live music on that track. It's all synthesized, uh, guitar, bass, drum, yep, all of that. Um, so that there is no human playing that on the track, and it's mm-hmm. kind of his take on what metal could sound like in the future, hence the name Future Metal. Um, but what I thought was interesting is that he mentions that there are influences and guitar parts that if you're a metal head and you've been around for a while, you should recognize. Does anybody recognize yeah. any of the guitar parts from Future Metal? Because I sure don't. I,
2: don't. I don't think I do. never paid that much attention to it. I was just like, this sounds cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. That's
2: basically my extent I mean, yeah. certainly
0: some of the some of the lyrics are lifted out of other things um i hadn't noticed the but but you're right i mean like i hadn't noticed the the musical phrasing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. though apparently you know it, it's he says it's a tribute to phrases by various guitar heroes so so some of the music is is going to come from somewhere he also actually he also mm-hmm. said that some of this was originally on a guitar and then they decided no mm-hmm. that's that doesn't fit yeah. the concept so they replaced it
1: right exactly yep so if you're a, if you're a seasoned metalhead guitar rock person, listen to Future mm-hmm. Metal again and see if you recognize some of the phrasing. And uh, if you do, let us know, because I would love to have an aha moment. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. That would be an interesting aha moment. Yeah, let me let me in on that one, too, because. I mean, I'm not like super duper into it, but like it's kind of it is very interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. funny toss mentioned in the in the chat the, a, a link to um green tin green tinted something something and that uh at least in one place um that comes up as being kind of like an inspiration for the phrasing in the one um reminiscent of sweet child of mine or mr big's green tinted 60s mind uh, which i could which i think i actually i can sort of hear like i like you can you can I, you can certainly hear i think a little bit of this sweet child of mine influence yeah. in the one da,
2: da, 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 da. Yeah, definitely yeah now now that it's kind of running through my head I, very much so very at the very beginning
0: uh and and a uh, funny test uh, followed up with a citation which suggests that um actually mr biggs green tinted 60s mind uh probably just is a fixture in Koba's mind because. Uh, uh, The quote is, uh, well, for example, if you listen to Mr. Big's green-tinted 60s mind, it's pretty clear Future Metal Riff was inspired by it.
1: Yeah, I can kind of hear it.
0: Uh, Maybe just sort of switching off to another thing from the Kobo Metal universe here. So there's things that the Kobo Metal Japan Twitter account retweeted. One of them was this essay... Serialized in Da Vinci News, although I, I, I think what we read was the whole thing, uh, metal or not metal. And it was kind of, it was kind of on um, – it, it wound up largely being about fashion um, in, a, in a certain <laughs> sense. But um, he, he talked a little bit about sort of the, the correlation between clothes you wear and the job you do. And, well, he said a couple of things that were kind of funny. One was um, that it's, it's kind of metal, uh, to perform like metal – musicians do, uh, even if the clothing is inconvenient (laughs) for such performances. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's like, he's like, well, you know, leather would look good and it's going to be, isn't it going to be hard to perform in leather? And and it's like, well, you know, we will, we will overcome that challenge and perform anyway.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if for, for uh, you're bringing up subjects I know about. Um, (laughs) uh, Not that I performed in leather. I'm just telling you that. Um, But no, like, so if you are performing up on a stage, uh, you know, you really do have to consider what you're wearing because, for example, leather is a really thick material. So you're wearing it and it's kind of warm. Mm-hmm. Then you're adding on the movement that you're doing, running around, playing your guitar, day, 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 you're doing all that, you know, your energy levels are up, so your body heat's going up, so those pants are feeling really hot at that point, point. and then not only on top of that, but you've got the lights that are hitting down from the top of you, which, depending on the type of lights that are being used, holy smokes, those things can be hotter than Hades beaming mm-hmm. down on you, Um So, then you've got the heat coming from the lamps that are beaming down on you on top of that. So, you're sweating your butt off just performing in leather. It's not fun. (laughs) 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 It's it's uncomfortable. (laughs) So, like, that, I mean, like, as... And I'm just gonna take a real quick correlation with the girls. It's like I'm so very impressed by the fact that Sue performs in long sleeves a lot of the time because it's like that girl has to be burning up. I mean, like it's 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 a it's a thin material that she wears, yes, but being so close to her skin, she has to be burning up. So like I give her total props in that department. <laughs>
0: yeah i I bet that those are i bet that those costumes are pretty light um
2: they are actually but they, they don't look like yeah. they
1: breathe at all yeah in particularly from the waist I, off waist off
2: well i i being in the department once again that i'm yep. in um they are actually quite breathable oh, really? um like I said, with the sleeves the with it being so tight against her that that bothers me, but for the rest of it i've I've had questions about that before um And I don't remember. Did you go to um, Rock on the Range in 2018, Kevin? I can't remember. No.
1: I didn't do any festivals that year. So
2: there was a group of us that were together, um, albeit randomly met each other. But- um, a lot of the question I had, because I wore the Sue metal outfit that I made from um, Big Fox Festival. Mm, I wore mm-hmm. that to Rock on the Range, which it was uh, <clears throat> pretty hot that day. Mm-hmm. But I actually was quite comfortable because of the way that I made it. I made it out of a, like a stretchy material. And that was a lot of the questions like, aren't you burning up? And now I'm like, no, I'm actually quite comfortable. You know, it was cool to a degree. Of course, you know, I was sweating a little bit, but... You know, and this was right after they had just got done performing and we were just all jumping around and stuff like that. And of course, there's bodies everywhere. Uh, <laughs> but it was still it was, I, I mean, I assume they kind of make it in the same way that I do because I try to assimilate that to some degree. Um, but uh, I, I think they're, I think they're relatively breathable. It's just that the I would say it's more heavy than uncomfortable in that in in the heat regard. I think they're a little bit more heavier. Um but we could always save that whole entire old discussion for another for another show or something. But I just wanted to bring that up in that regard. Yeah,
1: I do want you to lead us through a costumes through the ages episode at some point.
2: I yeah. will totally happily do that. <laughs> that will be that will be you, me talking a lot. <laughs> more than I already do. So <laughs> anyway but yeah i just kind of wanted to bring that
0: point up yeah it's funny when i when i read the da vinci news thing i i I pretty much only was thinking about the weight and not the heat (laughs) but
2: yeah um, it is it is a little weighty i will say or at least mine was weighty when i made mine but that was just because i made mine a little differently i know than what i probably could have done if i actually done it the easy way
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, but the so weight from I, all of the uh, the real diamonds and gemstones slapped on no there doubt. really adds up. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess one other thing that that uh, was in the Da Vinci News uh, thing that was interesting was it was kind of about fashion, I suppose, in a way. But um, he sort of put out a little statement in support of uniforms, you uh, know, in a, in a way. Like he was he was talking about how like there's sort of like a uniform correlation with the job you do and that kind of thing, and talked mm-hmm. about like. A policeman he had a funny thing in there about like you know he would be somewhat uneasy if you went to a doctor and he was dressed in like a gold suit
2: <laughs> I mean uh, but um, uh, I could see that <laughs> i a worried too I think
0: <laughs> but uh what he was I think what he was sort of going for was the idea that if you have a uniform, then it's possible for you to take that off you know and that that you, you can sort of create a separation between mm-hmm. like what you do in your day job and what you what you sort of feel yourself to be uh sort of intrinsically mm. which is I get interesting that. like yeah.
2: i get that concept yeah
0: not sure if there's much more to say about that it was just interesting
2: <laughs> well i mean that's kind of like an i mean well i guess it depends like uh i mean once again just because i n- c- can get some of the relation but like a character actor you know people you know who are on stage dressed up you know who do you know, try to do more of the old fashioned plays where they're dressed up in like older outfits and things versus all oh, their, their regular Joe Schmo on the street, you know, dressed in your jeans and t-shirts and stuff. It, even just the outfit that you wear sometimes always, it, it can give you a different, uh, a feel or a vibe. And it's like, yeah, I understand where he's coming from with that for sure. And that would understand why with, you know with the girls and things that they have the specific types of outfits that they do so i mean we've seen pictures of them outside of doing maybe metal stuff albeit most of it by accident but <laughs> um you know they totally don't look like they normally do when they're on stage like not at all it's yeah. it's totally very relaxed and just
1: the hannah montana effect is real
2: yeah <laughs> th- there you go yeah exactly <laughs> Like, would you be able to spot them out in public? I'd probably even have difficulty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we've probably talked about that before, but uh, uh, you know, I, I think, I think I probably would notice and doubt. Yeah. <laughs> what would happen? <laughs> I yeah. Would say, there we ah, go. That that's got to be, but it can't be. So all right.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: uh, okay. Let's see. Any any um, is there anything left that we should be bringing up in the Metal because I'm sort of feeling we like we spent a fair amount of time on it. Yeah,
1: no, I Uh, I don't think so. I I just, yeah, I just want to emphasize that you know if you're one of those people who is super interested in the process that goes into all of this and want to understand more about, I don't know, the product side of what Baby Metal is and kind of the directions they choose and why they go there. um, These Mm -hmm. were all super interesting. Interviews to read. I, I definitely mm-hmm. learned a lot, and it kind of changed my outlook and mm-hmm. kind of how I approach their decision making a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would definitely encourage everybody to go check these out if you have time.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it, he's I, I, it is you know he has his way of thinking, and mm-hmm. we may not completely understand it, but as for a full like whole, it makes it makes sense. I don't know. I, I I have a little bit more respect for the odd man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh. I, I just think,
2: from reading these. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think just after reading these, you know, I, I'm less inclined to get up in arms and throw hands when they make a decision I disagree with or yeah, do something exactly. I don't like Um. just because, well, at least I kind of know where they're coming from now.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you kind of know that they've, thought about it
1: yeah, you know? yeah yeah exactly that i'm no longer taking for granted that there isn't a lot of thought in production and every move they make is very calculated you know i don't have to mm-hmm. agree with them i will definitely mm-hmm. criticize them where i think it's justified but i do think mm-hmm. i i understand more now what they're trying to do and what the vision is than before i read these translations mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. exactly
0: yeah and and uh, you know putting a lot of thought into it does not mean putting a lot of advanced thought into it clearly since a lot of these things <laughs> are kind of last minute decisions, but they were yeah. thought about even at the last yeah. minute <laughs> mm-hmm. so in the uh, in those in those little quick japan um site you know interviews uh, a couple of the things that were talked about had to do with uh, the sort of like I don't know international versus uh, Japanese approach to music and and sort of mm. image and things like that, which is kind mm. of interesting. Um, you know, the, I think the question had been something like, "What is the secret to being you know internationally successful?" And it seemed like what Kobo was basically saying was um, branding. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you, be, be be unique and branded, and and he sort of it su- sounded like he was sort of marveling at the fact that uniqueness. Outside Japan is is valued, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. seems almost a little bit stereotypical to say, but uh, um, yeah, um, I don't think he's wrong though.
2: <laughs> no, he's not. He's not.
0: <laughs> but you know, he's, he he talks a little bit about how like you know the people outside Japan, uh, you know, seem seem to dance like crazy no matter what rhythm the song has, even while <laughs> while the, all the Japanese audiences are a little bit lower, like you know at least moving in rhythm with whatever's happening
1: yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i think that's something he's mentioned before how when they're coming up with uh music and uh you know what what this is going to look like live they take into consideration how they think the audience is going to participate mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah
0: and uh and the overseas audiences are not <laughs> are not doing the right thing <laughs> right yeah he also had a he had a, he made an interesting observation i don't know if it's you know i don't know if i believe it maybe i do um that you know sort of music engineers um have a different strategy in japan and outside oh, japan. right yeah that like in in the music engineering the melody and lyrics are highlighted whereas overseas engineering seems to start with the drums and and you know work down from there
1: yeah that was interesting mm-hmm. um yeah. i interpreted that as vocal forward in japan versus drum forward not necessarily mm-hmm. where the song or how the song is started yeah. From, a, from a post-production standpoint.
2: Bottom up, top bottom. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that's a great way of putting it, Maggie. I, that's not an observation I've made. But, I, you know, after reading it and thinking about it for a little bit, I, I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. And, and the way I got it in my own brain, and I don't know if you'll be able to follow along with this. But if you think of, like, I thought of Beats by Dre, the headphones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're super bassy. They don't sound very good, but they throw a ton of bass because they're designed to slap the side of your head with <laughs> drum kick tracks. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I, I like them,
1: but right? that's me. And
0: <laughs> actually, they should have they should have a little physical like hammer, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so that you don't have to you don't have to hurt your eardrums, but it can still like thump the back side of your head.
2: Uh, nice little bruise in the back there for after a while, for some people at least.
1: Yeah. But where I was going with oh. that is that those are super popular kind of mid-level headphones that a lot of people mm-hmm. have, mm-hmm. and that totally makes sense for our market mm-hmm. because they're designed drum-forward, I guess, to use the same kind of words.
2: Okay, <laughs> yeah.
1: I And I could just be completely throwing crap against the wall and hoping it sticks, but that's how I rationalized it in my brain. Mm-hmm. And you never see people in Japan wearing Beats.
0: <laughs> i mean you know I, I think all of this is uh at a risk of you know all being falsified by overgeneralization. but uh, <laughs> yeah oh, well, absolutely
1: absolutely yeah.
0: um yeah but it is still interesting i mean like presumably we are talking about kind of something a little bit like the uh, at least the the arenas that Koba's familiar with like metal mm-hmm. or or maybe maybe even like j-pop music
2: uh-huh but because J-pop seems like it would be, I mean, I'm not, like, super familiar, but, like, it would seem like it would start from lyrics first. 100%. And
1: yeah.
2: then yeah. work into the music and stuff. i th- It does seem like it would be that way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not, like, an expert, and I don't really know 100% if that's the case or not, but.
0: Mm. And I suppose, actually, um, sort of, like, Non-J pop, um, you know, I, what I think of is you know it's dance music, so it's it's all drums and you know like if you're lucky maybe there's you can kind of hear a voice somewhere. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> if so,
2: it's auto-tuned. <laughs> well, it, I guess dance music kind of goes from the middle down to the bottom, back to the top. They have like a rhythm that they want to go for, mm-hmm. and then they add the drum and bass, and then they add any vocals that go on top of it. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of that stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think I think that uh, I think I have run out of my little notes <laughs> <laughs> on the of Metal interviews, but this, yeah, yeah, this was really pretty interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I guess just because of, you know, recent events and things, like a lot of people are, you know, throwing tomatoes at the wall. Like, you goofball, you know, why Why are you doing this and all this other stuff and I guess it's just reading these kind of brought a lot of stuff to light and, and you know, it's just kind of realized, you know, people are kind of being a little hard on him, I think, in my opinion they, they do their thing with thought we don't necessarily have to agree with it, but at least understand you know, that they tried to do a lot of thought into it sort of thing and uh, like I said, I just see a lot of a lot of people kind of bashing him, I guess, and it just kind of upsets me a little bit. I guess I just want people to just kind of see it more as—I don't even know how to
1: explain it, really. But stop being so uh, entitled.
2: Stop it, that too. God bless that too. Quit yeah. being entitled, snots.
0: So okay, so I think that's uh, that's the next the next T-shirt for the podcast. <laughs> quit, right? Quit being entitled, snots. <laughs> Yeah. And then it's
2: just a mask. It's just the one of the baby panel face masks with a piece of snot coming from like the Oh, that would be
1: I would wear that. I would wear that.
2: <laughs> oh god. No.
1: That's hilarious.
2: Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: Maybe maybe I'm still new. It's conceivable, but uh I Uh-huh. Like, I don't remember a time when people weren't complaining about what Koba (laughs) does. You know, like, I don't I don't feel like this is a new phenomenon. Oh, no, it's it's not. Definitely
2: not. Well, that's one thing he's always he's brought up before is like, well, you can do something, but you're not going to you're not going to make everybody happy. It's like you can never make any of them happy. And I guess he kind of laughed laughed at the ending part of that. It was like in a prior interview of some sort, like uh, probably, I think, a couple years back. He's like, no matter what you do, you can't you can't make them happy yeah. and he's like so we'll just you know we'll try our best what's <laughs> but, that What's that know, saying?
1: Whatever. The, um the devil finds work for idle hands <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah by the way I was, so. I was looking
0: back and um we did i you know actually i i come back to this episode that of ours um relatively frequently because i'm you know i want to look up something because somebody cites something and it's always surprisingly far back but uh, episode 14 we did a little uh, review of the then existing uh interviews with kobo metal mm. so if you want to go back and, and hear a little bit more from uh july 2019
1: <laughs> way back wow in the good old days <laughs> i kind of don't want to go listen back to that yeah
0: it might it might i i i'm not sure that i can necessarily recommend it but I, I do go back to our own show notes fairly frequently
2: that was two years ago mm-hmm. yeah, that's no still kidding. so weird to even think that this pandemic has just mm, time is non-existent anymore it just really isn't yeah <laughs> it's just a it
1: certainly feels that way this
2: big ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff yep <laughs> for those who watch doctor who in the room
0: uh. <laughs> well, I think it's also, it's also a very specific era of Doctor Who. Yes. <laughs> that you're referring that too. to.
2: That too. <laughs> but,
0: um, okay. Let's see. Uh, so I guess basically the plan will be then that next time, I don't know how long this is going to stretch on. Um, mm-hmm. okay, Cause I think um, we have at least uh Hedl-Bahn 24 and 28 um, to talk about next time uh, with, uh, Zoo metal and maw metal um interviews, and so I think maybe maybe we can manage that within some sort of reasonable time frame <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know oh yeah um so so yeah, perhaps we, perhaps we'll do all of them next time, but uh you know again, thank you to funny, Ta- funny toss and capable paramedic for making this possible because Indeed. Um, we did not Very have access much. to these without them
1: yeah exactly we're gonna have a link to funny tosses website where you can see all of these translations and if you're so inclined throw a little bit of cash his way buy him yeah. a coffee or, buy him a slice of pizza coffee pizza or whatever
0: yeah <laughs> i think we i think the last time we couldn't quite decide whether it was coffee or pizza i think it depends on whether you've clicked the button or just coffee looking at the button
2: flavored pizza <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> or pizza flavored coffee yeah <laughs> and,
0: we have uh, in in the chat. We have sort of advance warning of there being uh, another long Coba metal interview coming up. <laughs> um, so we we didn't totally finish Koba because uh, Hedebon twenty four has a twenty two page interview as well. So
2: mm-hmm. might even get some more information out of that. That'd be really cool. I, yeah. I I'd like to see a little bit more from him. I really would. Yeah, I'll I be honest. Really, really would.
1: I I yeah. look at these interviews as when I read interviews with Suenboa as just kind of fun little interludes, but largely I read the same things over and over and over. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They're just -hmm. just fun because I'm fans of them and like them, but Mm -hmm. I find Kobe's interviews actually insightful and interesting.
2: True. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he has more freedom to be able to talk, you know, freely about different things too. Plus he's the head of the whole entire shindig. So he's, he's got a bigger, like, thing to worry about and be able to pull information from, which I'm sure the girls probably do too, but they're more focused on, you know, Mo is doing her dancing and stuff and Sue's trying to focus on her singing and the rhythms and stuff of that nature. So, I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it's it, coming from Koba, it is way more insightful because he's got, you know, access to a lot more Yeah, things. it's just
1: super different. Mm-hmm. It's just super different. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure Sue and Mo can answer a lot of those questions that he can but Mm -hmm. that's not their job that's not their function in the group right that's that's Mm true that's just Mm kind of what i was my point was that i really enjoy reading their interviews but in terms of actually learning about what this group is and everything but goes on behind the scenes i really prefer reading coba's interviews because i just think they're super interesting
0: yes Mm -hmm. and i mean of course like you know he was he was sort of like Cognizant adult, or whatever, you know, at the formation of this, uh, in a way that they, that you weren't sure, <laughs> you know, so definitely, definitely. Yeah. remember it sort of differently, true, um, yeah. And I have to say, like, the you know, the Koba may have the more insightful interviews, I think, uh, Moa has the most comic ones,
1: <laughs> absolutely,
2: my girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we'll be back, um, soon and I will wrap up this episode now. So. That's it for this episode. You can join us on the Babe Metal Podcast Discord to continue the conversation. Rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help
2: people find it, so please do that. We'll be back here in about two weeks. We hope you'll join us. And until then, see you.